0: I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me.
1: Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee! I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess fucking can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, bro. John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy can't let me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. Hope you guys come ready. I'm Michael Morgan, and welcome to this week's edition of the WOCast. Joining me, as always, my sister from another mister, my Cody. It's G. What's going on?
0: Nothing much, man. Is it hot where you're at? Because New York is burning
1: up. Is it summertime? Wow! If, if only, you know, it's supposedly summertime. We're working now on British summertime in terms of our clocks. But now, nah, man, it is cold right now. It is. It seems to be, I, I don't want to turn this into kind of like a weather report, but it's kind of like weird weather we're having at the moment. It will be bright sunshine outside, but it'd be hailing at the same time. It'll be pouring down of rain at the same time. And I just think it's kind of like weird weather. But no, Definitely. it's not hot. No, it doesn't feel like summer. And yes, I'd love to be in New York right now.
0: I don't know. The humidity is kind of kicking my ass, but you're more than welcome to come. Or or I'd like to switch with you. I'd like a little cool breeze myself, but you know, you're more than welcome to join.
1: Well, careful what you wish for because um, we can make that happen. But speaking of making it happen, we had lots of <laughs> combat action over the past weekend. We had Bellator, we had UFC, and we had Invicta. Now, I'm going to put my cards firmly on the table and be perfectly honest with you. I didn't catch um, Phoenix Series 4. Um, no, sorry. Invicta FC 44, sorry. Rodriguez versus Takato, And that was uh, in Kansas City, Kansas. Now, this, I have to say, was, a I suppose, seminal moment for Invicta in that... It was actually um, way back in April that they announced that they'd been acquired by Anthem Sports and Entertainment Inc. And starting from, well, I suppose the 21st of May, Invicta FC44, events would be broadcast live via the Anthem-owned Access TV and the Fight Network in the United States and Canada, respectively. But, unfortunately, us poor Brits, uh, there's no TV dealing place for us, so I didn't catch a bar of what was going down. Did you manage to catch anything around um, Invicta?
0: No, I did not. But I mean, I understand that this is a good business move for Invicta, but I do miss the fact that Invicta was easily accessible on Fight Pass.
1: Fight Pass, yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: So, and it seems like they didn't really address the, the fans in Europe quite yet. Maybe they'll have something for you soon. But I do know that quite a few people in Europe get down with Invicta, so.
1: We are always... Always, always the poor relation because when it comes to Bellator, it's only of late that we've had, you know, a really proper broadcast deal. And um, it's it's uh, I think it's going to be in the pipeline. I can see Invector, you know, slowly getting there and uh, addressing their European fan base and doing that quite swiftly. So. It won't be long, it won't be long. But moving back to things that we did see then, on Friday we had Bellator two five nine and quite a heavy European contingent, Brit contingent on there. I'm, I'm not sure um, how much of it you did see if you saw it from the very start in terms of who kicked off the card. But Alfie Davis versus Alexander Chablis was, um, I suppose, a little bit... Uh, uh, I, I don't want to say... It didn't deliver because I was really expecting explosive kicks, punches and movement from both of them, considering how, you know, Alfie Davis is known as ARD Ard and uh, he's known for his axe kicks. And I have to say, in terms of what actually was delivered, what actually transpired, it was a little bit underwhelming. Did you catch that, Alexander Chablis and um, Alfie Davis? No, I missed I missed
0: most of the prelims, Mike, except for, like, uh, of course, my man Aviv Ghazali, but we'll get to that. But I missed most of them. But are you telling me is this worth to go back or lackluster? No.
1: No, I, I personally thought it was lackluster. And it's only because, A, I know what Alfie Davis is capable of. And his corner was telling him that he's destined for great things. He's capable of great things. But I think here... I'd never thought I'd say this, but Alfie Davis, I feel, was overwhelmed by Alexander Chablis and what he actually came in there with. I mean, every single movement um, was traded with an either an overhand hand hand right, a straight right. I mean, Alexander Shabli was controlling this, stalking down his man. Alfie Davis was a man on the run. And okay, there were flashes of greatness, but we're talking seconds in terms of time duration of greatness, not the entire shutout by Alexander Shabli, which was definitely um, well worthy of the unanimous decision that was awarded to it. But Alexander Chablis, he's definitely one to watch. Alexander Chablis Alexander is an assassin. And that's a fantastic signing for Bellator. Mm,
0: good. That sounds like somebody I want to keep an eye on, but didn't really have a good night. Is that what you yeah. mm.
1: But yeah, Well, definitely. And, and moving on with the disappointment again with the Brits. I mean, it was Brett Johns versus Danny Sabatello. And Sabatello was a last minute replacement. And for me, I was really expecting great things of Brett Johns. One, he came in there with a 17-3 record against Danny Sabatello's 11-1. Two, I'm not sure if you remember, but he left the UFC on a winning record. And it was a nice Mm -hmm. kind of like poke in the eye, thumb in the eye to the UFC to say, you know what, I know my worth. I know exactly what I'm capable of. And I feel as though you guys aren't giving me um, what you see on screen in terms of, how you're rewarding me so taking himself over to bellator i'd say was the right move but ultimately he came in on the end of or the wrong end of a unanimous decision i remember uh in the run-up to this danny sabatello was talking some serious grease man and he backed that up he was confident in his wrestling and um yeah he showed brett john's Basically, um, he wasn't coming in there to actually be run over. So, again, these are two fights I'm mentioning only because they're Brits, but I'm not mentioning them because they're noteworthy and things which you should go back and actually uh, sample taste and relive. But the one which I do think it's worth actually going back to, still sticking with the prelims, and that was Leah McCourt. She defeated uh, Janae Harding. Now, this looked like a one-sided, well, not necessarily one-sided, but it looked as though... Um, Leah McCourt was gonna be um, handed a defeat here, but no, her come, yeah, her come from behind win was a thing of beauty. I sat there, you know, my, my squeaky bum cheeks and uh, tongue, in, <laughs> tongue, in, tongue in cheek and kind of like mouth open because it looked as though Janae Harding was getting the better of her. And um, no, she when you... turned this round and it was good to see Leah McCourt actually break the losing streak all the Brits at night I mean I had a few people commenting on um, Twitter mm, She's not a Brit She's from Ireland No she's from Northern Ireland Which many of you will know is part of the UK
0: What was Janae Harding doing to In the fight for you to think that Leah was going to lose Remember I missed this Was she just like piecing her up Was she out wrestling her What was she doing She
1: was lighting her up on the feet And she was actually um, out wrestling her And wow. I think, You know in terms of strength In terms of negotiation and in terms of ring generalship she was basically controlling the action. so for me it looked as though Liam McCourt was really on the back foot and uh, to see her turning around like that and secure that triangle choke absolutely a thing of beauty
0: oh yeah most definitely and it sounds like a fight that I'm gonna go back and watch because who doesn't like a good comeback fight and who doesn't like Liam McCourt she's so cool
1: Well, exactly. I have to say I'm a big fan of Liam McCall. I love the fact that she is a great ambassador for Bellator. I love the fact that she's always up for not just doing things for Bellator, but for the sport in general. I mean, you'll see her in magazines, you'll see her on radio programs or hear her on radio programs, and you'll see her on the television. She is really a fantastic standard bearer ambassador for Bellator. And um, yeah, it was to get that win. And friend of the show she's a lovely woman yes she's a very
0: lovely woman i do have a question though i heard she missed weight am i correct
1: yeah yeah and And um was there any explanation given or anything no um not yet i i i I whatsapped her obviously i didn't mention that but um i I no doubt will catch up with her because i'd love to know the story behind her because exactly one of these she's one of these real hardcore pros in that She's contracted to do a job She's contracted to do it at a certain weight And she's very Very meticulous about the way in which She conducts herself, that's what I'm saying She's a very good ambassador for the sport Yeah, and I agree with you weight. mate yeah, yeah, see her miss weight That's why I was Wait, surprised miss that she missed weight Yeah, mm.
0: she's She's, she's such a professional, not just a lovely woman. So I was surprised to miss weight and I'm looking forward to what she has to say about that, not to demonize her, but to figure out like, was it the fight camp? Was it COVID? Was it whatnot? You know, just to check on her. Cause I was just so not like her. Cause she's so awesome.
1: Well, to be fair, um, I know it sounds like I'm making excuses for her, and I am. This is the first time that she fought in the United States. So with all that travel, with all that air time, um, I can imagine that kind of like threw her out. But I'm her biggest advocate. I'm her biggest fan. Um, And um, I I would say, like, hand on heart, I feel that there was a genuine reason, but I would say that because I am... Severely biased.
0: <laughs> You're a stan. So oh, oh, big time,
1: big time. Yeah. She's like I say, she's well-rounded for me. This was a big step up when you mm-hmm. think about the level of opponents that she had uh, up until now um Janae Harding did represent a a significant step up because you know how it is I feel that to a certain extent Bellator do know who they are building up and do concentrate on certain people and I think to feel to a certain extent and I hope Leah doesn't diss me for this but I'm just going to come out and say it Leah was on I feel one of those development programs in terms of being built up by the US uh, by the by Bellator and this was one step away from that developmental um, program where they were giving her a credible opponent.
0: Yeah, I guess Bellator tried to test her and um, she passed the test. If you don't think this was like an opponent that she was ready for and whatnot. But, you know, comeback fights is nothing but somebody that just has the fight IQ to figure out, okay, what do I need to do here? And, or they capitalize on an opening and that sounds like what Leah did. So yeah. m- maybe she wasn't ready, but she showed us in the end that she was.
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely. So just sticking with the prelims, were, were there any runners and riders that you wanted to break down that caught your eye that made you feel, yeah, I want to talk about this.
0: Yeah, I don't miss a Aviv Ghazali fight
1: ever on Bellator.
0: I learned that very quickly. He's 6-0 and oh, and all of his wins are first round submissions. He is just a G on the floor. Yeah. And I think he just represents the, the killers of MMA or just like how this sport has evolved. Like you, if you're going to be somebody that has a specialty in jujitsu, you better be fucking good at it. And that's mm. him. This is what he's good at. This is what he brings to the table. He doesn't hide it, and he is high level. And we saw that because in the first round, Mike, immediately he goes to take guard. He almost gets, like, um, some type of um, submission finish. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's already begun. And Sean Felton scrambles out of it, but I was like, oh, no, it's not over. He's going to get that first round submission. And, goddamn it, Mike, that's what he did. Next thing I know, he's on top control, and he pulls off a very – scary looking heel hook. So scary. In fact, felt and screamed. I hope he's okay. But it did look like a vicious, vicious submission. And again, Aziz does it again, six times in a row. First round submission. He is somebody to look out for. And I'm happy Bellator is developing him.
1: Did you yes. see this fight, Mike? Yeah, I, I I paid special attention because I saw your tweet and I know that you were the prelims girl. I know you are the queen of the prelims. I know when G says, watch this guy on the prelims, you watch that guy on the prelims. Mm-hmm. As soon as mm-hmm. I saw the bat signal come up, I was keenly watching Ghazali. And yeah, you're right. He didn't fail he to do it. He did it again. Yeah. Hill hook in round one you said basically how you called it it panned out and man definitely one to watch because as g says never miss the prelims
0: yeah never miss the prelims always watch the prelims and note who the superstars that are on the prelims that are gonna come up and Aviv just might be one of them. I'm never missing another one of his fights and I look forward to more first round submissions.
1: Yeah, i tell you one fight that um, shut my mouth. I was mm-hmm. on a show, I was, in, I was, I was an invited guest um, on, it was, it was, it was, 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 said, uh, excuse me, <coughs> oh, excuse me, mm. Santiago and um, Marcel. They invited me, you know, Marcel, he's the guy that everybody follows because he is the one that um, announces all the fights. Yeah, I love him. Nice guy. The the, the breaking news in terms of Mm -hmm. fight matchups. Anyway, they invited me onto his show. And one of the things that I was really, really pained to talk about, but I felt it needed raising was Bellator's mismatches. So when I saw Davian uh, Franklin, uh, sorry, 2-0 and at the time, um, clashing Tyler King, who was 12 and 10. I said, Look, this is exactly what I'm talking about. This is pathetic. Man, shut my mouth. This <laughs> fighter went to town on Tyler King, Mr. 12 and 10, and destroyed him in round one of a KO. So, really, Ketithor certainly know what they're doing in terms of matchups. I thought it was obviously going to be the other way around with Tyler King, obviously, um, destroying Franklin, but no, not to be. Now Davian King is um, sorry Davian Franklin is now three and zero, um, yeah, and as you say, definitely a prelim fighter worth watching in the future
0: yeah i mean look at his record three and oh and he beat up somebody well 12 and 10 man like 10 losses says a lot but still that's a, that's a hell of a fight for that man and he got his tko what do you think of bellator having mismatches I, I hear a lot of grumbling in the spaces and on my timeline that their prelims are specifically mismatches for show so that we get like you know almost like the to- The um, the contender series almost Mismatches are being done So we see some fireworks Or something outlandish What do you think of Bellator doing that?
1: Put it this way It's no different to what the UFC Have been doing of late And to be honest I can see why You entice You beguile You actually lead people into the main card If you are having a pay-per-view Okay Um, Bellator isn't on pay-per-view it's on Showtime, but how do you entice people to stick with the card? If it is lackluster, if you are looking at unanimous decision or decision after decision, after decision with no finishes, you do have to kind of like stack the deck ever so slightly. Um, favouring finishes, whether it's submission or KO. So I understand. Do I like it? No, because it looks as though there are poor matchmaking decisions going on here when they quite clearly aren't. I feel that um, the matchmaker there at the moment, um, it was Rich Chow and um, Jude Samuel. And Jude Samuel is obviously leading the pack now in terms of matchmaking. I rate Jude Samuel as a matchmaker. I rate, and I feel that he's Europe's number one. So I know he's not incompetent. I know that he's not a doofus when it comes to actually pairing people up. But I think it's more pressure from the networks. I think it's more pressure from the the promotion to deliver for the networks. And that's why you're seeing constant mismatches. But like I say, look, this isn't peculiar or this isn't particular to just Bellator. I would say... Um, The UFC has this issue as well as other promotions. So, as I mentioned, I understand it. Don't like it, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean... As a purist or someone that is into the competitive nature of fighting, I don't really care for mismatch after mismatch. And that is why sometimes I do skip the Bellator prelims. And then some days I enjoy the violence of it. It's weird. You know, if I'm in the mood to see somebody get slapped around, you definitely want to head to the Bellator prelims. And then some days I'm like, this is just silly and not competitive. But I'm noticing that Bellator has a lot of talent, but I wouldn't say the talent is up there yet. So a lot of their fights are just... Lackluster, And I hate to say it, but Bellator is ever developing And they're on Showtime now So I expect more from them in due time
1: No, you're right I mean, don't get me wrong I, I'm not out here saying that their prelims are mm. um, a, a thing of beauty to behold Some of them are, are downright ugly But there yes. are hidden gems in there I can mm. understand why people would want to skip But in skipping, you would miss things like Leah McCourt and Janae Hart. Exactly
0: Exactly. That's my point. Like sometimes when I skip, I'm like, damn, I missed a good fight. And then sometimes when I do watch, I'm like, this is a prelim circus. So it's really a mood, you know, when it comes to Bellator. But like I just said, I do expect more from them. And I think more should come. I think it's almost like, not that this is a pilot program, but they're still developing. They're still figuring things out.
1: Yeah. One hundred percent. And I like the way that um, they took Valerie Lareda off the prelims and put her on the main card so that she could be seen on TV. I think it might have been um, a misstep, but I like the, the the rationale behind it. And that is you're trying to build Valerie Lareda. So why have you got her on the prelims? Put her on the main card where she can be seen by a wide audience. You're building her. You're quite clearly building her, as you could see from her previous two opponents. Um, now, sorry, three opponents But mm-hmm. now, obviously With this loss, it looks like They underestimated Hannah Guy Who I have to say, looked like She came straight out of Target I'm not trying to diss her oh. but She didn't look as though she was a killer She didn't look like she was in there With the hunger, with the tenacity With the kind of like fighter vim That we have come to expect from Bellator Fighters, she looked as though This was her weekend off from Target
0: I, I can't believe you just said that I'm cracking up because you're right it did look like she was recruited from Target or you know the local Denny's where there's a lot of fistfights in America especially yeah. at 3am Mike yeah. so with that being said I'm happy Hannah and her team won that fight but I did tweet like nobody is a winner here both of them look really terrible man for different reasons like mm. Hannah guy could not cut off the cage at all and was just throwing these looping punches, although they were landing the whole not cutting off the cage and running towards her just blew my mind. And then there was a point, Mike, where she was having she was not successful cutting her off because she not only because she didn't know how. So she sped up to kind of catch up with her faster. And it just looked like a street brawl. And then Valerie's fight IQ went out the window. I mean, spinning back shit when it's like, do you know how to jab? Do you know how to throw the combinations that your, your camp has taught you? What is this spinning stuff? What is this? What was she doing? And that's why the corner got in her ass the way that they did. And it was one of the funniest and best corner moments in combat history. To me, I just was crying. And, did you hear this corner say to her
1: And that and <laughs> your it, ground game I, is atrocious? I, I've got it queued up here. Oh, let's go with it.
0: You
1: you have to punch. Stop the stupid shit with the spinning backfits and box her. Your corner has been telling you to box her. Stop running away. The groundwork is atrocious. Stay off the ground with her. Every opportunity you have to get up, get up. And if you don't punch, you will lose. You have to throw 50 punches this round, yes? Five zero. And it better be smart. You gotta go and do it. now. My question to you is you've heard that. It sounded like venomous intentions. It sounded like your enemy was in the corner. A lot of what was said there was basically shots fired. But I think accurate, I think honest, and I think candid. Are we in a situation where um, your corner is actually your undoing because that couldn't have done anything for her confidence? Or was that what she needed to hear i personally feel as though it was what she needed to hear i think that the corner was right to actually draw her over the coals i think her corner um basically put her in a situation where she had to consider what they were saying that they could not be denied what did you think I suspect the corner was
0: upset that they showed up with a game plan and Valerie decided to throw it out the window mm. and not react well to Hannah Guy's pressure. And I think at moments, Valerie thought she could beat her by doing something flashy and was hoping yeah. that would happen. And I cannot imagine a corner training somebody, having a game plan, and to see fight IQ like that and to see arrogance. And just you heard the man, he was like, You know how to box. Like he doesn't what he saw in the cage against Hannah Guy, he he's not familiar with that. So I can only imagine how frustrating he is. Mm. And on top of that, from a management point of view, they bumped you to the main card. They even made a silly post about her being the baddest woman in Bellator when, in the main card, the actual baddest woman is Chris Cyborg. But they wanted <laughs> to promote her. So, but they, you Did know, they I really get it, Bellator. Yes, Did they
1: there's really a tweet. Say that she's yes, the
0: baddest woman. In yes. Bellator? And they were ratioed because everybody took that same tweet and stuck Chris Cyborg's face on it. So it was hilarious, and myself included. But if you're going to be bumped to the main card, if you're going to be promoted this way, stick to what your corner is telling you. Stick to what you trained. Be a professional. And if you want to do that weird freaky Ziki dancing that you want to do at the end of your fights, win the fucking fight, Valerie. Hmm. But shout out to Hannah. She looked terrible, but she won and she saved us from all the fucking unnecessary gyrating. (laughs) And I don't believe in Valerie Laredo's movement for pretty women. I think pretty women are not oppressed and I don't understand why Valerie is the spokeswoman for that oppression. So I'm glad that Hannah shut her up, beat her, and we did not have to see a weird post fight dance or hear a weird speech.
1: Thank you, Hannah. I'm just going to have a quick canter over the the notable uh, items on the main card because we still have UFC action to talk about. But for me, um, seeing Austin Vanderford uh, put Fabian Edwards on his back continuously over and over again came as no surprise. Now, I I ask you this. It comes as no surprise to me... But surely it should come as no surprise to Fabian Edwards. Why wasn't there work in this downtime? I mean, bearing in mind he's been off because of the pandemic for a while. Why was there no emphasis on working on ground game and, um, well, at, at least take down defense because he was taken down at will? Yeah, I mean,
0: he was taken down at will. And it's just basically that is Austin's game plan. He is a very high level and very good wrestler that also knows how to throw some punches in there. As you can see, he's going to ground and pound you a bit and he's going to keep you on the ground and control you. And that's what we saw. And I, it's weird. If you know, Austin's game plan is going to be that, Mm
1: -hmm. why did
0: it look like Fabian was not prepared for that? And, and I'd also like to say that I'm starting to think that the uh, Fabian brothers Leon included, are maybe I don't want to say arrogant, divas are entitled because after the fight when austin went to congratulate him you could tell fabian was um, complaining to him about the the wrestling and it's just like (laughs) no 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 you can't do that this is mixed martial artist um excuse me this is mixed martial arts and a wrestler that you knew was coming to wrestle you did his job and you did not so how dare you complain so i'm getting a little like tired of like the excuses or just like the Leon brothers just really not making the best decisions in their careers and then crying about it.
1: You know, I think that there is something to be said that Fabian Edwards and Leon Edwards, I imagine, okay, maybe I'm speaking another of turn because I've not actually been down to, Um, What is it? Renegade. But I can imagine that they're the big dogs in the gym. They're like the mobsters. They're the mob bosses and everybody underneath them, um, I suppose, submits to their will. I'm not just talking about uh, what they say and how they order them around. I don't think that happens. I'm talking about inspiring. I think Mm -hmm. that they get the run of the place and they get to actually bend people up they get to twist people up they get basically to win sparring probably every single session that's how I imagine it they need to be in a situation where they're uncomfortable they need to be in a situation where they are pulled out of their comfort zone and I think that's probably what the issue here is that they are very very comfortable where they are I mean yeah they seem like it's yeah I'm supposing uh, and it is a big assumption because I've got no idea. I've never been down here. I don't know what the sparring is like, but just looking at how that actually transpired, it makes me think that is the case.
0: Yeah, I think so. You know, they definitely, they're very talented men and they're going to go far in MMA, but it's just better decisions. And let's, especially for Fabian, let's work on things that we're not good at instead of being so like maybe overly confident or even somewhat cocky. There's an air about him that I'm noticing. So I don't know. He'll come back great, I hope, because I've seen other fighters do this to him, but there's a hole in his game and he's going to have to address that.
1: Yeah, but I mean, you you talk about coming back great. You talk about um, the hope for the future. Where does he come back from this? Considering that, look, Costello Van Stenas, to be honest with you, I respect him as a mixed martial art um, proponent and uh, athlete, but I I wouldn't have had him on the same level as Fabian Edwards. Now he's taken a step up, I feel, from um, Costello Bancinis in Austin Vanderford, and he couldn't have... He failed the test. So he's failed the test twice as far as I'm concerned. Now, my worry is this, and I, I say this because... I've got no fear or favour in saying this to Fabian. If you've ever listened to any interviews that we've done before, mm-hmm. I'm very, very frank with him. I feel as though he's going to be given the last chance saloon the next time out, because this will be, well, the second fight in a row that he's he's lost. So this next fight, they're either going to dumb it down and give him someone beatable, or they're going to give him someone Who tests him, which they should Because he should be on the ascendancy In terms of opponents
0: Do you you know what I think they do? I think they dumb down his opponent Because his propensity to be flashy Is there And that's what like and that's what fans want to see. That's what they want to tune in to see. And Fabian being related to Leon and his little diva attitude he's got. And then he's from the UK. There's star quality in him. So I think they dumb it down, hoping he does some berserker move and gets our attention again. I, and, I, and quite honestly, I implore them to you give him another wrestler. You're just going to diminish how great he is or how he looks and he's not going to be any value. If you keep doing this, so I doubt Bellator does the UFC thing and gives him a wrestler. They're gonna they're gonna dumb it down for him for sure.
1: You see, that's my worry. We both know that they've invested because a- that doesn't make you better. I see you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That 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 is mm-hmm. is my sticking point here. Mm-hmm. We both know that they've invested a lot of time and a lot of money in Fabian Edwards. So much so that when he was signed, they flew him out, sat in cage side so that they, they could have photo opportunities. I feel as though, you know, dumbing down his opponent kind of like makes a mockery of the whole, you know, proving ground of Bellator, them as a credible promotion. What are you about? Are you about entertainment or are you about setting the bar in terms of where athletes are able to compete and who they compete against? So that's my worry, that we can see where this is going.
0: I mean, Bellator is a little mixed up right now, and that's why I keep saying, you know, they have some things to work on. While under the production of Showtime, for instance, Valerie Laredo was, what was she ranked? Seven or eight in her division? And I didn't How? I Exactly. So they have some things to work on. I saw an unranked opponent fighting another unranked opponent that y'all just picked up from the amateur scene. But because Valerie's cute, weird, and has sex appeal and has knockout power in her left mm-hmm. hook, especially mm-hmm. Bellator's going crazy for her. But yep. they better slow it down. And they better, they better slow, slow it down with her and, and hopefully she develops and Valerie needs to listen to her corner. But yes, I agree with you, Mike. Bellator has some things to work out. You want these mismatches or do you want to develop talent? What do you want? You want entertainment or do you want competitiveness and Grand Prix?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, looking at um, how things panned out on Spaces last night, it's it's conversations like this that make it kind of indefensible when we're saying that Bellator, for our money, for our mind and where we're sat, is the number two organisation in the world. Because, <laughs> God, <laughs> We're defending the indefensible. So I can imagine how conversations which panned out on Spaces last night where you had an individual who was actually defending other promotions and actually ranking them higher and ranking them in terms of their production values above Bellator, where those come from.
0: I think that individual that you speak of struggles with opinions and preference and also correct answers. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like we all know Bellator is the number two premier league. Even Bellator knows that as the number two, they are the number two premier league, whether you like their talent or whether you don't like their cards or not, but it would have been better to say, I prefer cage warriors rather than to die in a hill that nobody was going to die on the hill for because you're wrong. And then to, and then to do it again with another topic, it just goes to show me that a lot of times in Twitter spaces, people just want to be right and they need their ego fed. So I try not to pay too much attention to that. We all know Bellator, whether you like it or not, is the second league, you know, in, in MMA. And, and it's that- on Showtime for Christ's sake Mike yeah. what the fuck you think that me.
1: <laughs> yeah but what I'm saying is that this is bringing The conversation full circle to back to what Started off um, my conversation Around spaces and discussions around Bellator and where it stands In terms of the pecking order Because it's hard To defend this card in the context Of that conversation but I also feel as though, you know, just talking about the conversations which transpired, I feel that sometimes it's okay to be wrong and sometimes you need to accept that. And especially when you've got strength for feeling that kind of like is borne out by metrics, is borne out by TV deals and is borne out by basically... Right, there's sex. (laughs) And it, it just made me think maybe this isn't the best hill to die on, but... That's why I was quite happy to put that individual on trial. I, I'm, I'm going to be wielding and uh, uh, rolling out this this trial uh, aspect of Twitter spaces. And uh, getting people to actually, um, well come to court. Huh? don't scare the people with
0: your trial and court and whatnot. You know what I'm saying, Mike? I mean, we did put this individual on trial, but when it comes down to it, we all know each other from adding each other. So this like fight to be right and to talk over people and to take over the conversation and then to know damn well that there are facts and statistics that prove you wrong but to insist on dying on a hill with a group of friends that are just merely going to laugh if you're wrong is just strange to me some of y'all on twitter spaces need to lighten up when you come in there with opinions we don't like and just discuss it and laugh it's unreal true that but mm-hmm. speaking
1: of unreal um going to the main event Chris Cyborg versus Leslie. You know, what's unreal to me. What's unreal is that we saw this. That this was again. booked. Yes. <laughs> what was Megan doing? Was she at home doing dishes or was she at home like making meal, or was she running a business? I mean, I'm just intrigued as to what was taking up her time. Don't, don't
0: blame Mike. L- right. my, Mike, don't blame Kat Sagano. again, blame Bellator. That seems to be mixed up with what to do with some yeah. of their fighters. Yeah. First of all, five years ago, when Leslie Smith fought Chris cyborg, I didn't agree with it. I, we knew it wasn't going to be a competitive fight, and it wasn't Now, mm. five years down the road, Bellator na- announces this matchup during the pitbull fight. you know the, the when they debuted on showtime they they made a thing about this um, you know fight Mike they were like oh Chris Cyborg versus Leslie Smith and all of us at home was like one why are you promoting this two hold up go back why is this even happening Chris smoked her five years ago and we haven't seen anything from Leslie Smith that says she can beat Chris Cyborg in fact she's gotten older so what the fuck are y'all doing so that's why we saw I I hate to say it because it was a complete performance by Chris Cyborg but I didn't enjoy it because it was such a beat down and Leslie did nothing
1: Yeah, and the thing is this I just got it in my mind Maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist Maybe I'm just um, uh, looking at this too cynically But it's almost as though someone whispered in her her ear Make it last a little bit longer this time And make it last a little bit longer She did because 10 seconds before the round Was about to conclude for the fifth round She was pulled off her Yeah, and I think Dan could have pulled
0: her off a little earlier. I think Dan wanted to see some blood and make Leslie pay for this fight, which I thought was strange. But I felt bad for Leslie because I felt like her whole intention was just to hang in there. I'm too tough for this. But at the same time, she, she could not get her shots off offensively she reminded me of the fighter that cannot offensively strike with someone in fear of the takedown Mm. but instead it was in fear of chris cyborg's power so i'm not throwing nothing yeah and it was just i hated seeing it and then on top of it 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 made me feel like i am right leslie smith should not have been fighting this woman we need to find chris cyborg better talent Bellator, to
1: fight i didn't
0: enjoy the fight
1: because of it i'm sorry yeah, same here. It was like seeing someone uh, getting bullied at school and yeah, um, I, and I, I c- like Leslie. Yeah. Yeah. She she's lovely and um I think that, you know, her aspirations for fighters I think is admirable because it extends yes. far beyond herself.
0: Exactly. And her views align with mine as far as black lives matter, blah blah blah. She's a really interesting and and, and fun person on, you know, online and offline. So I hated to see her get her ass beat, but I love the heart that she showed. She stayed in there as long as she could mike
1: Yeah, you know something though, I I know we're going to segue now into UFC Fight Night on versus Garbrandt, but it's interesting. It's really, really interesting. And this this, this is a a point which I suppose underlines the um, number two status of this promotion. There are more talking points in Bellator 259, uh, there are for me in UFC Fine Night Font versus Garbrand. I was scratching my head at some of what I saw last night because it, it was neither for me compelling or beguiling or enticing. I mean, let's just start with Court McGee versus Claud- Claudio Silva. Now, the reason why I'm starting there is because. There is a, a sort of like story here in that Claudio Silva um, has wins or has a win over Leon Edwards. Now to see him get kind of like battered from pillar to post by Court McGee, um, it like I say, it kind of makes me clutch at straws in terms of talking points. And that for me kind of like struck or, or stuck out as a talking point. And um, for me, there were fewer talking points, as I say, on this UFC card. What did you think?
0: Uh, real quick, I thought Court McGee put on a great performance. I like—I um, don't like his fighting style. I said that in spaces. However, I like his story. Former addict, beat beat her heroin, which is a very hard drug to drop, mm-hmm. is a family man, very positive on his social networks and wants to help others. So I was happy to see this win, And but I wasn't really feeling the prelims. I wasn't really feeling this card. I look forward to a juicier fight card, but I will say this. Bruno Silva and that hard-ass one-two punch that dropped Victor Rodriguez was a pleasure to see. And fun fact for you, Mike, I don't Mm -hmm. know if you know this, but we discussed Victor Rodriguez in the past because he's somebody that the UFC picks up for late replacements. Ah. And and me and you joked on this because we was like, when we checked his record... Bro, what the fuck is Alaska Fighting Championship? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or Power Plant Productions. <laughs> so it doesn't... Yes, he fought in an organization called Power Plant Destruction um, Productions and Alaska Fighting Championship. And then because of COVID and late replacements, the UFC will throw this guy on a card, but they're basically throwing him to the wolves. Mm-hmm. In his last fight... Me and you were dying laughing about where he's come from because Adrian Yanez had kicked him very quickly in the first round and he went down in similar fashion, the same way Bruno Silva dropped him with a hard right. So um, I'm not comfortable ever picking Rick the is, And um, maybe the UFC should just kind of stop picking him up to be like late replacement and sacrifices for
1: these guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So. Yeah. I, I know there was slim pickings on the, the prelims, but um, the other worthy, I think, noteworthy thing to talk about for me was Chris Barnett. I mean, a lot of people terming this guy Huggy Bear. Don't get me wrong. I, I can see he came in with a lot of love. But I just wasn't getting it because what I saw yesterday was somebody who um, had an amateurish... Outlook, sorry, um, had an amateurish performance against, you know, a clear killer, and that was um, Ben Rothwell. So I was very surprised to see it's Huggy Bear, right? I'm getting this, this guy, his, his yes. name was, yes. Huggy Bear. Yes, that, there's a lot of terms of, in, uh, well, there's a lot of um, love for this guy. Now maybe you can fill me in here, but I don't get why Chris Barnett is in the UFC based on that performance
0: well he's a fan favorite i didn't know this either because when they picked him up i was like who the fuck is this guy and when when i tweeted that all his fans jumped into my mentions to defend him yet when they defended him they all admitted that he was not ufc quality but he should put on a show apparently he's related to um crazy horse that's another fighter that's his brother who's, who's nuts yes who's nuts and then on top of it chris barnett Huggy Bear slash Beast Boy is someone that puts on a show like cartwheels, flips. He's, I mean, you saw his performance yesterday. He was doing these weird Superman punches. He was flipping around. So that's his thing, but I can't say he's UFC caliber. And I was not surprised that Ben Rothwell kind of put him out very quickly. I'm shocked. I'm shocked Ben didn't beat him up even more. And, And to me, it goes to show you that maybe Ben is slowing down a bit and getting older because I really think Chris Barnett was a fastball down the middle and Ben Rothwell, although he got the submission, I thought I was going to see more of him doing, you know, beating him up more. But I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm from the States, as you already know, but mm. I didn't know much about this guy. And I was quite shocked to see the defense of him in my mentions. He is a stateside fan favorite somehow. Wow. So that's a, yeah. I even had someone in my spaces say, you know, this should be on the main event because so many Americans are like into him. That's, that's what I said. I think I took his mic when he said that I was like, next, but, um, yeah, he had said that and I thought that was, wow. Americans really love this guy, but I was ready for the fight to be over. I don't like heavyweight, heavyweight fights on prelims or main cards. I can do without that division except for Stipe and, you know, Francis. So I'm not the one to talk to about heavyweight fights,
1: but it was
0: just high, I guess.
1: Wow, before we move away from the prelims yeah. Was there anything else that you wanted to Or anybody else that you wanted to big up Before we get into the main card
0: No, not at all okay. um, I wasn't really too enthused with these prelims So yeah, let's kick it
1: Okay, we'll have a quick canter through the the main card because for me, the decision fest wasn't enthralling. It wasn't um, anything to write home about, apart from, I mean, we're going to get there, um, Yan, uh, Yang Zinan and um, Carlo Espaza, but we'll, we'll get there. Kicking mm. off, um, Jack Hermanson and Edmund Shabazian. To be honest with you, coming into this, we knew what was going to be happening. It was kind of like a foregone conclusion. that I, I don't know. You, you rein me in if you feel I'm being overly generous to Jack Hermanson. Oh, okay. He was red Edmund Shabazzian. This was a supposed to win from Jack Hermanson, and um, it was good to see him actually uh, secure this win and join the um will will join the brothers now. We'll, we'll join the team where team team curly hair, and that is uh, Chase <laughs> and um, Ben. Um, Shit, why is his name? Ben Askren and then also
0: how could Frankie Egger had that curly top too? (laughs) But
1: yeah, what did you make of that?
0: Um man, I I make a lot of things i thought jack struggled in the first round and i thought edmund did not which is what i predicted edmund is a bat out of hell in the first round he's always not a bat out of hell like a berserker he's very calm cool composed picks the right shots, sets things up the Mm. takedown defense was there but in typical edmund shabazzian fashion he just he cannot survive round two and three he just gets exhausted from whatever he's doing in the first round and if you're a grappler or a strong wrestler you can wear him out. And that's what Jack did. He made the adjustments to come out in the second and third round to get this kid to the ground and wear his ass out. And I'm sorry, most of us that watch, you know, UFC new one, what you were saying, Mike, that this Jack Manson is, I think levels above Edmund and not just that he's stylistically perfect to beat Edmund. You yeah. know, he's going to, he's going to withstand the first round of strikes when Edmund is on fire then he's going to take him down and do what he does, either try to submit you or he's going to ground and pound you. And that's what he did. And Jack has the expertise. And also he's not like a vet vet, but he's had more time fighting than Edmund. So of course he knew what to do. Edmund's in trouble, bro. I don't know if the UFC is not developing him properly or does Edmund need to switch camps and work on other things. I think it's terrible that he's so predictable, that he's really good at out the first round, but you can drown him with wrestling and you can beat him. It's too early in his career for him to be that predictable. What do you think, Mike?
1: Yeah. Um, if I remember rightly, isn't he managed by Ronda Rousey? If she is still got a hand.
0: And Edmund Taverdian And that's what yeah. my
1: mentions were telling me. Now it, it strikes me that they need to kind of take a look at themselves as to how they're developing their fighter and advocate, um, well, for him, because the UFC certainly aren't doing that. It seems like someone's asleep at the wheel.
0: Yeah, I, I now that I don't need to reel you in on. You hit that on the head, a hundred percent. And here's why: <laughs> here's because in Edmund's last couple of fights, what are you seeing? Um, a gas tank that depletes after the first round and also wrestlers and grapplers that can swarm him. And we've seen it in his last two fights. We saw it with Jack and now we saw it with Derek Brunson. And then my man Edmund struggled with wrestling with Darren Stewart, not a knock on Darren Stewart, but he was struggling wrestling with a Brit. That's that's not good. And then you have three fights back to back where like you're wrestling, it, it shows but yet you still coming in the cage, not prepared for something that we all know you're not good at. I yeah. have to blame the coaches. I have to blame the coaching. When does his wrestling improve? When are y'all like, yo, his gas tech sucks and wrestling is his Achilles heel. How come we're not seeing improvements on that and seeing the same shit? So yes, I do blame his coaches and you are absolutely correct for that.
1: What did you make of the next fight up? And that was uh, Bill Algeo versus Ricardo Ramos.
0: I kind of knew that this was going to be a, back, a barn burner because Bill Algio gave Ricardo Ramos a fight of his life in his debut. Ricardo Ramos is just, he's on your back. He's te- teeing you up. That's just his style. Like he doesn't stop coming. So to put these two together is exactly what we saw. Um, a fun barn burner. And although it was a unanimous decision and, you know, I was a little tired of the, de- you know, the decisions on this card, Ricardo worked his ass off and Bill tried and I really enjoyed this fight. What do you think?
1: I'm not going to lie. I personally feel as though I've had enough of uh, the whole Bill Algeo experience in the UFC. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I'll just put my my hands and my cards perfectly on the table. Every time Mm -hmm. I see this man, it pains me. It makes me a little bit angry. I, I get cross because every time I see Bill Algeo in the UFC, it reminds me that he's taken... Brendan's spot Brendan Lofne should be in his place Brendan yeah Loughnane should be having these fights Brendan Lofne should be a recurring name that we see on these cards but no we get Bill Algio so yes I, I I'm not gonna say that I cried when I saw uh, Ricardo uh, Ramos walk away with the decision yesterday and or last night or um over the weekend um Bill Algio irks me every time I see him so moving swiftly on um <laughs> i don't know about you but i want to fast forward to the co-main event only because i didn't really get much out of the decision fest that was justin taffer versus jared van D- dera and uh felicia spencer and norma dumont um yan janan and um carlo esparza however i thought that was um That for me, that that woke me up. That was more kind of like, yeah, now we're back to something that we should be awake for, no? Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And not only awake for because of um, Carla's wrestling skill and that John Young, you know, is an offensive striker that doesn't stop this fight mattered they're very close together in the rankings and this would, this fight to me I don't know if Dana confirmed this but the winner should fight for a title Jan was right up there and so was Carla and this to me speaks title contention and, not, and we saw what Carla did to her and Carla did the right thing not only did she fight to her strengths and win the fight with her wrestling she ground and pounded and told the judges she was in charge and then she got a fucking K.O.T. K.O. when you got all eyes on me And people are throwing your name In, in title contention So Carla did the right thing I'm just shocked that she handled Yan um, so easily And so aggressively Jan had nothing for her Unreal Who'd you pick for this fight? I'm curious Who did you think was going to win?
1: I thought it was going to be Jan, um, Because I have to say I, I, I've just got I, I'm not in the Carla Espaza business anymore Having seen her yeah. Um, of late I, I haven't been impressed and I, I've, I've, I've been thinking for a while maybe she's kind of like checked out I don't know you reel me in you tell no, me no 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 no
0: yeah I need to reel you in Carla quiet as kept has been like again I'm repeating myself but Carla has been fighting her strengths Mike. like this woman is the wrestler that got beat up on the feet by quite a few people yada right. yada yada now she comes back and what type of winning streak is she on is it a four or five winning streak and then they're not they're not always dominant but what i do like about her is that she knows how to convince the judges that she's a winner and she's fighting to her strength Was this her wrestling her dominance and she's getting better at it and I'm all for her getting the title shot. She worked for it. You know, I don't think it's fair when somebody has a boring style that we, we make them go on a 1050 fight streak like Leon and Carla, just because they're not money fights or they're boring doesn't mean we don't get to find out who the fucking best in the division is. That's what yeah. we watch this shit for. I cannot stand when somebody's boring and fans and fans are so quick to be like, nah, give the fight, give the Wellie Zhang the rematch. Why the fuck would you do that when she got kicked in the face so quickly in the first round? And then you got this beast of a woman proving herself in Carla. Time and time again, listen, listen to this man. I just pulled it up. Mm-hmm. She just won last night, Gian She beat Marina Rodriguez. You know she got them hands. She beat Michelle Waterson. She beat Alexa Grasso. She beat mm-hmm. Verna Jandarova. It is time for her to face the best, which is Rose, and have that rematch. I don't want to hear shit, my brother. Okay,
1: I'm, I'm, on gonna
0: shit. <laughs> I'm on now. I'm, I'm, gonna I'm mean-
1: on now. I'm gonna move now. Give the girl her chance. I'm going to move straight. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Let's move move on. I'm getting excited. (laughs) I'm going to move straight to the the main event. Rob Font and Cody Garbrand. I've got to admit, when I talked about in the midweek show um, how I felt that Rob Font was going to do against. Cody Garbrandt I was confident I said it with my chest that this would be a shutout I knew I felt in my waters that Cody Garbrandt is still going through long COVID is still recovering is still having health issues and from what I saw last night the tentative way in which he was chased around that cage the tentative way in which he was on the back don't get me wrong in the first round flashes of greatness yes but this was a dominant performance by Rob Font. Dominant. What did you think?
0: Yeah, I think, yeah. Oh, I totally agree with you. And and I'm just going to add more to what you said. Totally dominant performance by Rob Font. Why is that? I think two reasons. I, I piggyback off of the long hauling COVID issue, Cody's mouth was open way sooner than he usually does when he gets tired. I -hmm. felt that he was backpedaling and looked tired or that he was trying to hide the fact that he was tired. I saw his poker face, but his mouth wide open sooner than I'd like to say that I've seen him before. And I would like to attribute that to COVID. And remember he had long haul COVID. Those are the people that struggle with it. Even when they feel better, even when they test negative, they're just like, my lungs ain't right. Right. Mm. And I wonder if Cody's going to come up in media and say that. I will wait for that. Secondly, Cody is fighting against himself here. You can tell he wants to fight calm. You can tell he doesn't want to fuck up the, the fight IQ thing. Everything we said about Cody and his, and his losses, he hurt us, and his camps are trying to address that. However, it's not working. Okay? This calm, cool, collective Cody seems tentative, scared to throw, and it just seems like he's fighting himself. And meanwhile, Rafan is comfortable in his jab, his uppercut, his footwork and coming forward. And also the beautiful right hand over the top that kept landing was so beautiful. He simply was the better boxer, At a better time, that doesn't need to figure out shit like Cody, and it showed, and he beat him unanimously. And also, the stats are fucking crazy. It was a clinic on the low.
1: Amazing. Um, Amen. Definitely.
0: Yeah, it's a clinic. If you go back, if you go in the UFC stats, go on the website, y'all. If you're you're nuts about this shit like me, go on the website, check the fucking stats. It's jaw-dropping. It's jaw-dropping. And Cody has a lot to address, my man. I, I, remember to, they wanted him To fight Figgy yeah. Sit
1: down <laughs> okay. I've got to admit As as you were, were talking then And um, just to close out the show Just to mm-hmm. our viewers Or listeners even uh, Ever say so slightly um, Do you remember we were talking earlier about me Wanting to have the court as a, a centerpiece of space, oh, yeah. it is is going to be a very quiet weekend. This coming weekend, we've got no UFC action. Um, we have uh, in the uh, in 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 the making our first. Um, defendant who's going to be in the dock who has given me a tentative yes you know who that person is i won't reveal it until the midweek show shots To people have to tune in then but we're going to bring someone to the dock they're going to have to defend themselves because we have various charges to throw at them it will be the entire um shots fire team as the um not as the defense, what's the alternative to the defense as the prosecution. So the prosecution right. will be shots fired. And it seems like this individual wants to defend themselves. They are basically not giving me a um, definitive answer as to whether they will be in the dock because they're not sure whether they're going to be defending themselves or they're going to have a, um, def- have, have a, why is it that I can't get the, the words out, have a not prosecutor, have a defense lawyer. You uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh, laughs> got me here. on the edge too. I'm like, say it,
0: Mike. Say it. You got it.
1: <laughs> build, build, building, an, building anticipation. So, on um, the midweek edition of Shotvied, where we return with Chisanga, that and should an- be fun. <laughs> We're gonna reveal the uh, the next stage of our Twitter. I-
0: I think I know who this guest is. And if there's a possibility I can co-host, I would love to be the director of security because we will need that with this host. (laughs) We're going to get people in there ready to fucking fight him because I know this motherfucker is hated in my mentions, so I can't even imagine what his looks like. So I would like to run security because I'm going to make sure folks don't lose their fucking mind.
1: Okay? You might have to actually multitask because, as I say, you're going to be... On the prosecution alongside myself Kairos and Chisanga That's fine So um, you may be uh, Maybe may maybe double, double booked on that um, We'll make sure that we give you overtime You'll be paid overtime for that
0: Oh that's fine, I love the sound of overtime And I'm a hard worker And I'm going to make sure no cucks show up And put on a show I'm sick of people <laughs> getting the mic in Twitter spaces And acting stupid Or not being able to handle other people's opinions So I'm going to start being a little stricter in mine And I'm going to start uh, You know Jumping in yours and being like, "Hey, hey, hey, cut it out!" Um, <laughs> expect expect that as well too. Right? But yes, the rollout comes this Wednesday. With shots fired! I cannot wait.
1: Nice. Until then, stay safe. Ah.